Good morning, everyone. Everybody healthy and well? Excited to be here. Uh, this morning, we're going to be in Matthew 8, verses 1 through 17. Um, and today, we're going to talk about healing. And so, uh, before we do that, before we uh, dive into Scripture, I just want to have a just a time of prayer. Man, there are more people I know that are sick or been ex- exposed to, to COVID, and they're, they're, they're quarantining. Um, <clears throat> two of our house church leaders, uh, father passed away um, about a month ago of, of COVID. And so, it's important that we come together, that we pray for one another, that we believe in the God that heals, that we counsel one another uh, through, you know, sad times and through uh, anxious times, right? And so, um, if you guys can stand, we're, gonna, we're just gonna we're gonna seek the Lord and um, come to the God who heals. Father Lord, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Uh, We thank you for the teaching this morning found in Matthew, and let your words be spoken today, not mine. As we begin to look at the life of Jesus who heals, who's there for his people, who takes our sadness and our infirmities, and he casts them away. Father, Lord, your word does not say that we won't go through the storm. In fact, your word says we will. But your word says that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. Father, we lift up those right now in Jesus' name, those that are sick. And God, we pray healing over them, those that could not make it today. Father, we pray for those that have lost loved ones in whatever way. God, be with them during moments of sadness. Father, would we as a church, would we be there for them spiritually and physically? Would we feel their pain for they are our family too? And Lord God, for those that are feeling anxious or oppressed, in Jesus' name, deliver them, Father. The enemy cannot have them. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the first seven chapters of Matthew, it's for the birth of Christ, now the ministry of Christ from the Sermon on the Mount, and it's all the teachings of Jesus. And now we begin to see the ministry of Jesus through healing. And this morning we're going to be in Matthew 8, verses 1 through 17. The first part we're going to look at, we're going to do this in sections. The first part we're going to look at is verses 1 through 4. And so read that with me in Matthew 8, 1 through 4. When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then he said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded, a testimony to them. So I want to look at this first part. And as we, we look at healing, we're, we're, we're going to talk about some of the things that we as a church, our leadership, what we believe. But this isn't going to be an all-encompassing teaching on healing. In fact, I think that's one of the mistakes we make when we talk, when we talk about healing. We are, we are continuous. Our leadership are continuous. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit, and, and one of those would be healings, and miracles, signs, and wonders, those are still alive today. We don't believe uh, that those things passed when the Bible um, was finished being written. 
Right? Some, some believers believe that. Uh, if you believe that, you're welcome here. We just don't believe that. We believe God still performs those things today. But when we talk about healing, I think that one of the things that we want to be careful with is that we act like we're experts, okay, on God's signs and wonders, right? We're not. We will talk about some bumpers of faith that I think is really important when we look at healing um, and the things to keep in mind. But, man, we're, we're dealing with a real God, the real person of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and his miraculous ways. So we'd be foolish to say, if I just do this, that's this, and this, even looking at the text today, well, then I'm going to get a healing, or I'm not going to get a healing if I didn't do this, this, and this. Do we get that today? So we're going to come with great humility and with great expectations as we just look at the ministry of Jesus and we talk about healing. Verse 1 through 4 is important to look at, and this is a person with leprosy, and uh, a person with leprosy in, in this time, this, this afflicted a lot of the known world at this time, and it was an uncurable disease. Um, someone with leprosy, they had no hope. In fact, um, doctors today would say that they died by inches. It was a slow, it was a painful death, um, and this was a huge act of faith that this man would actually come to Jesus. According to Jewish law, one had to keep six feet from someone with leprosy. And if the wind was blowing, you had to be 150 feet away from them. So can you imagine the isolation? And again, this was a slow death. And Rabbi Law would teach they were unclean. And Rabbi Law would teach at this time, some rabbis were teaching that whoever got leprosy, there was some sin that they did, and it was God's punishment on them. In fact, sometime in church history, we've done that as well, haven't we? We've, maybe you grew up in a time where they chose if someone got this disease or they got that disease. It's because of a specific sin that they had, and the Bible does not teach that. People despised lepers, and again, especially some of the rabbis. And they believe they were receiving a special judgment from God. I want to stop and look at that. We look at healing. Are there people that we react that way to? Right? That we make them feel more worse about their situation? We blame their condition on sin? Or if they just would have done this or they've done that? If they would have been a little healthier if they would have you know, lived a life this way? Rather than just focusing on, Lord God, they're hurting and they need help. Right? That's an important thing to look at. And I would say when we just look at just people's suffering, know the difference between condemnation and conviction and the difference between a truth and a lie. Right? Sometimes the church has come very condemning. And that's why, like, the, the church before Christ, the Jewish church, Israel, they didn't know how they, again, they were like, this is judgment. Jesus comes in the picture and he's teaching about the poor in spirit and the hurting and the downcast. And then this leper, and we don't, we don't, I don't think we can completely understand the faith that he has. He's like, Jesus, if you're willing, could you heal me? The fact that he'd even come close to this rabbi, who is Jesus, is astronomical. It is a huge step of faith. This man begged and he worshiped Jesus. If you are willing, and Jesus is. And he touches the man. Mark 1.41 says that Jesus moved with compassion. And when we do that, we're the hands and feet of Christ. And there should be no untouchables for us. 
right? As people are going through their pain, we might not have all the right words to say, but we know the God who does. Sometimes we can sit and just with silence with people and have compassion on their situation. In fact, with the last two years where more of us have been touched with pain than what we're used to, would it be a great reminder is that there's pain around us all the time? And would we move in compassion? I don't know about you, but sometimes God has to hit me over the head with compassion. Because I'm just like, all right, well, let's, what's the next ball game? What's the next thing we're going to do? And like, Lord's like, no, no, it's good that you want to have so much fun. Like, woohoo, right? Praise God for that. But stop and walk in some compassion and grieve with other people's grief. So Jesus, he heals this man. And then he tells him, don't go tell anyone. But go tell the priests. I want to stop right there, too. As we move in compassion, would we also see that God has a plan, he has a design, and he has a proper time? When we talk about healing, that's one of the bumpers we want to look at. That we'd go in with compassion, we wouldn't just be robots as we're praying with people, like, and we're just like, say some words, and then people are healed or they're not healed, and we just move on. Would we have our hearts in it? But then we understand that God also has a proper time and a proper way. And that we'd go into healing in God's presence with humility, awe, and reverence. Too many times, we either just want to flip the switch on or flip it off when we're talking about our faith. This man's healing was huge, and it was bigger than just his healing. Again, this leper that would be healed, this outcast that would be healed, this outcast that would say, I think I can come to this God because he cares. Right? That is huge, and we need to get that. Understanding that God cares about your pain, and he cares about the outcast pain, too. He is the God who cares. But this man's healing was bigger than even his healing. The Gospel of Matthew was being circulated during the life of this man. Right? And then we'll look at three different healings in the teaching today. And what's beautiful is Scripture was being circulated and people were dying for their, for their faith in Jesus Christ, that he was the Messiah, that he died on a cross and that he rose again. People would, were dying because of their knowledge and their proclamation of Jesus as Lord. And this man would have been alive when those things were written. People knew who he was. Did, did this Jesus heal you? And this is one of the most beautiful things of the proof of Christ is we don't find documents of this man or other people saying, that was a lie, he didn't heal me. It was a lie, he didn't heal me. In fact, it was, yes, he healed me. I think one of the things I just want to stop and look at is 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. And as we look at the Gospel of Matthew from now on, of just remembering there's so much proof to God's existence in the unseen, but also in the seen. And the fact that this was a real person who had a real healing from Jesus, who was God in the flesh. And as this testimony is going around about this healing, this man is alive. And people are going, dude, we know who this is, right? We don't know the name of this guy, but, but many who read this gospel said, I know exactly who they're talking about. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. For I delivered to you as a as of first importance, what was also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. 
Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of them who are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, last, last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared also to me. And why 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8 is so important is we're talking about these things of Jesus. These were real people with real accounts, and they died during the time in circulation when the gospel was first to even know Jesus. Remember at the cross, Peter denies Jesus three times for being even associated with him. He knew it would mean death. But they had such an encounter with the living God. They say, I would rather have death than to deny my king. And 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8, there were over 500 at one time. And all they had to do from the Roman government at that time is just deny Jesus' resurrection. But they could not, they would not, because it was so real. So when we look at miracles, and I believe in miracles, and I believe in healing, God still does those today. But the greatest thing is that we would come to a place in Jesus that we'd say he is so real, nothing could ever change my mind. Right? It wasn't, historians would look and say it wasn't the healings, because people get used to, like, okay, yeah, maybe that was, they can explain those things away. But the fact that people would die because of their experience with Jesus is one of the greatest miracles that we will ever know or see. And if you're someone here this morning and you're doubting as you're like, oh, maybe miracles are far off, or maybe this God is far off, this one that we talk about today, or how can, I, how can I trust that the Bible is true? And I would just say this morning, just as a side note, there is so much proof if you're willing to look. There truly is. Just dive a little bit deeper, and you'll see like, wow, there's like even atheists, their historians will say, yeah, yeah, all the evidence proves that he was God. I still just don't believe it. Dr. Stephen Lennox, who wrote God with us, says this, the Old Testament is the best commentary on the New Testament ever written. There we learn why Jesus had to come, why he taught what he did, and why he worked miracles. And so when we're looking at Jesus working miracles, it was to fill scripture because the Messiah would do these things. And so that's one of the reasons why Matthew is, hey, hey, guys, you know who this guy is. You know this leper that he healed, audience reading the Gospel of Matthew, and they're like, he's because he's the Messiah. He's, oh, they're always pointing, guys, guys this, is, this is Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's, he's Emmanuel. He's God is with us. So Jesus had to perform these miracles, praise be to God. If not, he would have been a liar. And we look at the Old Testament and we wrestle with the Old Testament, and there's some hard things that we, as we wrestle with the Old Testament, we see how real God is on his laws and his commands, but also how real and how serious he is about his grace and his love for us. And he tells the man, don't, don't go tell anybody else, but go tell the priests. And we find in Leviticus 14, this was also to fulfill scripture. This also would instate this man, this leper, back into society. So there was a lot more going on than just the healing. And in our lives, would we know that too? We get focused on one thing, and we don't realize there's so much going on. In this section, there's three questions I want us to look at. Just as believers of Christ, number one, do you believe God wants to heal? Because what if this leper didn't believe that? What if he believed what the masses believed, and he did something bad? And it was God's punishment on him.
Do we believe in God's punishment and judgment? Yeah. But this guy understood there was an invitation from the Sermon on the Mount that he could come close to God. Do we get that? Do you believe God wants to heal? And I believe some of us, as you're struggling with some affliction in your life right now, or maybe you saw someone pass this last year or the last couple months, and it's really hard to imagine a God that wants to heal, that he wouldn't have the compassion to do that. My prayer this morning is that you would wrestle with that and struggle with that. It can't be by my words. It can only be by your experience through the Holy Spirit and through God's action in your life that you would know, man, he is good. Number two, do you believe God cares about your pain and others' pain? For sometimes God says, no, I'm not going to heal. That person, you know, I've prayed for people that have been healed. I've seen miracles and signs and wonders. I've also seen it not happen. Do I believe in that moment that God still cares about their pain? When I'm going through pain, do I believe that God cares? And friends, it is important that we believe that he cares. And do you believe in God's proper time where he says, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. No, I'm not going to because I have something greater. Or wait and see. As we talk about prayer and we look at those bumpers, it's important that we see that right there. Right? Some guidelines to prayer that God is sovereign, that he is good, that there's power in his name. I do believe he still heals. And he says, yes, no, wait and see. And is he still good? Is he still God when he says those stuff? And our prayer this morning is when we look at this teaching on healing today that we would come close to this mysterious God who reveals himself to us. Now I want to look at verses 5 through 13. We're going to look at a second healing. Verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Verse 11, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done as you believed it would. And his servants was healed at that very hour. So I want to look at this healing. So first one was the leper. Now, this is a Roman soldier, a high officer. It's his servant that he is wanting to be healed. This Roman officer was hated by the crowd that was following Jesus. Again, kind of like the leper, he was the outcast, but he's like, this God is so good, I'm going to come in. And just like the leper, we're reminded sometimes God's people forget how much God loves the outcast, the downcast, and the one that doesn't know they need God. Right? Would we remember that? This man is pleasing for Jesus to heal his servant. And under Roman law, this man could have had his servant killed just because he could not work any longer. This is a very humble request. 
And Jesus says, let's do this. Again, Jesus says, sign me up. Let's do a healing. Do we go to God with humility? Like this, this was a big deal for this Roman soldier to come in this group of people where everyone is there and say, will you, will you, will you, will you heal my friend? Will you heal my servant? It would have been real easy for this guy to be cold and calloused or be like, man, they just, the Jews don't like me. They're going to reject me. They don't know. If he's king of the Jews, if he's this great rabbi, he's probably going to be just like all the rest. But he enters in because there's this great invitation. Do we go to God with humility? And again, do we trust God when he says no? That's an important thing for some of us have stopped believing in the God who cares or the God who has power because God said no, and it offended you, or it, it shook your faith. I've been there. I still struggle with those things, like, on a daily basis. T- you know, maybe tomorrow I'll have, like, a, a different side to it. I don't know. Right? It's called faith. There's a, there's, there's a great walking in it. But would we be like Daniel in chapter 3, verses 17 through 18, when they're standing for God, and they're about ready to be thrown in the fire? Raise your hand if you know the story. Right? And they're getting ready to go into the fire. And this is an important thing as we look at the prophetic, as we look at the power of God that we'd remember. And this is what they say. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of the gold you have set up. Like this is an important thing. God doesn't say no because he's messing with you. He doesn't stop being loving. He doesn't just, like when we pray, like God's just waiting for me to do what I'm going to do. It's just not exactly how it works. Would we walk into it and say, my God can. And he has the heart to. But if he says no, there's a reason behind it. And I'm not going to Serve God or follow God based just on what he does for me or he doesn't in the moment. Can I get an amen to that? Like you will not go to the deep waters. You just won't. Well, God didn't do what I wanted there and it was hurtful and it was painful. Everything that Jesus said would happen. So come follow me. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Some hard stuff is going to happen in your life, but but I'll be there with you. It's going to be good. Right? Go into those deep waters. And I love this as we're looking at the centurion. Authority is recognized and authority is revealed. And that's something that sticks out to Jesus where he says, man, I've never seen greater faith than this. And again, for some in that crowd, so we've got to be careful with religion, probably offended. Here are these people, they're walking with Jesus. Right? They're like, we're his faithful group. Pretty soon he's going to be talking about flesh and eating flesh and blood, we're going to say, see you later, but right now he's speaking our language, and so we're following. Wait a minute, he healed a leper. We don't like lepers. He, he, he did a favor for a centurion? Who is this Jesus? And one of the things that Jesus has just marveled is this guy understands authority. And again, when we look at prayer, the sovereign God tells us to pray. Some of you guys, like as, as just a church body, are different experiences so for some of us, like, you know, speaking your language today, talking about prayer, you're like, woo, let's talk about it every single day. Talk about healing, woo, right? And some of us are like, I don't know, I don't know. 
important to understand some things. The sovereign God tells us to pray. I don't care from what denomination you come from or what experience. The sovereign God who wrote the Bible, breathed it into men to write it, said pray. It's a messy thing. That's why I say, like, I'm not going to come up here as an expert. I don't tell what God what to do. Right? I don't move mountains, but God says my faith does. My faith in him moves mountains. Right? It's this messy thing. And this sovereign God says powerful things happen when his people pray and trust him. Will you pray? The leper had every reason not to come to Jesus. But as he saw the compassion and power of Christ, it compelled him to come closer. His whole life he'd experienced the exact opposite, but not that day. The Roman soldier knew the Jews hated him, and he probably deserved a lot of that hate. But he said, you know what? Maybe this God can heal my servant. When we understand the authority, we'll also understand the humility. Right? When you understand how in control God is and how powerful God is, you also under, understand the humility that we must come to him in. St. Augustine said this, miracles are not in contradiction to nature. They are only in contradiction with what we know of nature. Right? And I love this centurion Gideon. He says, Lord, I do not deserve this. Again, Jewish law, not, not God's law, saw that it was unclean to go into this Gentile's home. So at first, like, you're looking at this like, this is a humble request again. It's like being very thoughtful, like, hey, I know you Jews don't like me. You're a rabbi. It would, your people would be unclean. And Christ isn't offended by that. He understands there's reverence. And it's crazy how this officer understood he was dealing with someone of high power and authority. Would we do that? Like power and healing and miracles and signs and wonders. It's not a science project, right? It's not something that we just mess with flippantly. We call the name of Jesus because there's power. And this God can say no. He can say yes. He can say wait and see. He can say press in more. There's also great reverence with this centurion. This non-believer was more of a believer than the believers. And that should be an ouch, not an amen for us. And then, right there in this healing, this great moment within the hour, and again, as Matthew was being circulated, this Roman soldier would have been like, uh-huh, that was me. And there's a big group who knew who he was and knew who his servant was. But right there in that moment, Jesus talks about heaven and he talks about hell. Right? So this care bear Jesus, the Jesus that we love, still is talking about some will come into the kingdom, some will not. And so it's important that we would pay attention. The last section we want to look at today in the time we have is verse 14 through 17. It says, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. 
This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and he carried our diseases. And I want to close it looking at this last one. And I think this one is a special one. Jesus shows the same compassion for Peter's mother-in-law as he did for the leper of the centurion. I think what's beautiful about this is that we see that nothing is too big or too small for God. Right? Sure, God can heal them, but what about healing for my loved one? And again, he's still good when he says no or not yet. Remember that. Press in no matter what you experience, and you'll realize he is so good. We don't just bring the big things to God. We bring the simple and the precious things as well. And I think that's a beautiful thing. As we look at Matthew right here, we've got this, this powerful healing of a leper, and then this faith of centurion, and then right there in the mix of, oh, yeah, Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever, and God healed her. And then it begins this ministry. There were many demon-possessed people in that area, and the floodgates just started opening. And then I love it because Scripture says, and then she just automatically starts serving God. So amazing, yet so simple. And I would say this this morning, God is in the details. He's the God of intimacy, and he notices everything about you. And sometimes we feel he is distant or he doesn't care. He does know that, experience that. David Wilkerson said this, how quickly we forget God's great deliverance is in our lives. How easily we take for granted the miracles he performed in our past. Raise your hand as if you've seen the Lord do something miraculous in your life or someone else's life. And isn't it crazy how the supernatural can happen where you forget it? Right? And that's why testimonies are important. That's why time that believers come together. Remember when God healed you of this? Remember when you couldn't have a baby and now you can have a baby? Like I've seen so many people prayed for and that happened. I've seen some prayed for and it didn't happen. But how easy we forget of what the God who cares and has power does. And Jesus was fulfilling the word of God because God is not a liar. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely... He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Why do we go through so much pain in life? Last night I was um, up very late and as woke up from sleep, and man, I felt a spirit of oppression. Have you ever felt that before? You're like, this is not thoughts from God. I mean, dark thoughts. Like, here I am getting ready to, like, talk about healing. And I'm up till 3 or 4 in the morning. I'm like, God, i got to preach the next day. Like, why do we go through so much pain? And the Lord just started having me pray for people. Raise your hand if you felt oppressed lately. Right? And the Lord said, start praying for people. Have compassion for people. Sometimes, like, we, like, and I'm, like, frustrated last night. I'm like, Lord, I just want to go to bed. Like, I don't know what I'm going to say on the mic tomorrow if I don't get some more sleep. Like, God, you want me to get some sleep. And I just kept praying and praying. And 
And then God just said, man, you're not home yet. Don't get so comfortable here. And don't be offended when it isn't so great. Right? Great things will happen in the name of Jesus this side of heaven. But if we're following Jesus and his disciples, they went through some ups, they went through some downs, and God was still good. He was still in control. Right? But the promise that we have, that they have, that he would never leave them, he'd never forsake them, he'd walk it out with them, and in the end, glory would be revealed, and God's word never comes back void. You're not home yet. This isn't your true home. And true followers of Christ don't chase miracles. They follow the Lord, and they will go through the storm, not around it. For they will know the God who cares, and you'll only know the God who cares as you go through the storm. The God who leads them through the valley, you'll only know that as you go through the storm, not around it. And a faith worth dying for, and you'll only know that as he takes you through the storm. If we didn't go through the hard things, then God would be a liar, and faith would just be a slot machine at Vegas. But God is in the workings, amen? So as a church, let's just dive deep more. Yeah, God is still sovereign. And sometimes he says no. There's a season for everything. Every person that was healed in the New Testament eventually died a natural death. And God is still good and he's still sovereign. Would we be a church that presses more in? Like, Jesus, we want to be a part of whatever you want to do. And your word says that we pray together. That we pray for the outcasts. We pray for those that are hurting. That we're there for them physically, for their physical needs too that we would press into those things, that in a dark time, which we are in in the world right now, that the church would be a light. When we come together, two or more gathered together in his name, that is the purpose, to glorify God, but then to be sent out to be a light to the world. And if you don't go through some baggage yourself, then you're not going to be a very good counselor. Right? If you just get healed of everything, like God is this slot machine, then you're not going to be a very good counselor. Couple questions as we close this morning. Number one, do you follow the God who cares? And do you follow the God who still heals? I follow both. He cares. And he still does heal. Do you follow the God who says no, yes, and not yet? For our God is sovereign. He doesn't just do what we want him to do. And praise be to God for that. Praise be to God, he has a plan that we would go through that storm. In fact, he says, man, if you are a, a, a disciple of mine, if you're a disciple of Christ, you're going to go through some powerful, awesome things. But Elsa, guess what? You're going to go through some persecution and junk too. When I could not sleep last night and I felt that spirit of oppression, I was reminded I have an enemy. But I was also reminded I have a Savior that will not leave me. Last question. And there's three of them in a row right there. Will you pray? Sit down, just keep pressing. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. Oh, I'm tired. Keep praying. Will you ask? Like the leper, like the centurion. And will you seek? If you guys can stand, we will close in prayer. There will be people in the back that would love to pray with you today. We're talking about healing and Raise your hand for someone's man. I, I need to be prayed for today. Like I need some healing. I have people in the back that would love to pray for you. 
probably the person on your left and right that would love to pray with you. One of the things that we must do, and that, again, that, that, that calling of growing bigger by growing smaller, that we'd be in small enough groups that we can actually know each other, that we could pray for each other. Right? At some point, I encourage you to make the person around you a little uncomfortable and say, can I pray for you? Is there anything I can pray for you for? Is there anything we need to go to the throne room of God on your behalf or someone else's behalf that I can pray with you? Right? Let's do that today in the time we have. Father, Lord God, we just come to you in Jesus' name, in the name of all names. And Father, as a church, would we be awakened to your glory, to your goodness, that, that the understanding of such a time as this, you have chosen for us to be born and alive during this time. And we recognize there is some hurting and there's some pain in this world right now, and it seems greater than what we've experienced in a while. And Father, in that time, would we be found faithful Because you are faithful. Will, will we be found good? Because we're just spreading out your goodness. Would we be found compassionate? Because you're compassionate. And would we pray and follow in the name of Christ? God, would this be a time when many come to the Lord to find salvation. That we would follow you, God, not because you heal, but because you are good and you are sovereign, and therefore your word is true and you still do heal today. Remind us of that today. Father, as we follow you through the fire, in Jesus' name, amen.